You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We are kicking off a new message series for today and all the month of January. It's called The Core of Who We Are. And what we're going to be doing today and through the rest of January is is looking to the five core values uh, that we have as a vineyard movement. It's not just uh, the core values of this church, but it's our whole movement across the United States and around the world. Uh, the the things that 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 we really feel God saying, Vineyard Church, uh, you are part of my body that I love, the Greater Capital C Church. You are one small part of it, but you are a part of it that that I love and that I have called as He loves and has called all the rest of the body of Christ. And these are the things that I want you to give special priority, special attention to as you seek to be obedient, to be the people I've called you to be, and out of that being, do the things that I've called you to do. Of course, the Vineyard has a very comprehensive statement of faith. If you're, not, if you're new to the Vineyard, uh, I would encourage you to check it out. I'd also encourage you, shameless plug, to be part of my Vineyard DNA small group that kicks off in just a couple of weeks. If you're new to the Vineyard, we're going to be going through you know, what, what makes a, a Vineyard a Vineyard. And I would love to have you join us for that. Uh, you can find our comprehensive statement of faith at vineyardusa.org or meet, uh, talk with one of the staff members and we'll get you a copy of that. But these core values, again, and these priorities, they better uh, express the things that we give time and attention and energy and resources to, uh, the things that, that we do and the things we don't do as a result of that. Uh, This week, we are going to begin with this value, this value. We are people of the kingdom of God who partner with the Holy Spirit. That is, that's who we are. That is what we do. Uh, And and really, very honestly, uh, this, this beginning statement, the one in the smaller print on the top line, we are a people of the kingdom who, uh, this could be a message series uh, for the month of January, for the whole quarter, for the whole year. Uh, so we're not going to focus on that, but each week we'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, the Vineyard is a movement distinctively centered in a renewed understanding of the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than he talked about any other topic when he was here on earth. And we view the kingdom of God God's active rule and reign uh, as, as an overarching theme and an integrating theme throughout all of Scripture, from Genesis, the Garden of Eden, uh, when we see a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, uh, where there is peace, there is joy, God sets everything right. We see that in the Garden of Eden. Of course, we see kingdom loss, lost with Adam and Eve's sin, uh, and then we see throughout Scripture God's desire to see kingdom restored, ultimately in Christ uh, and Jesus ushering in the kingdom of God, uh, but not in its fullness, then the Holy Spirit coming, empowering the works of the kingdom. And then at the end in Revelation, we read where the kingdom of God is fulfilled and restored in its fullness with the second coming of Christ. When Jesus was here on earth, again, he talked about the kingdom of God and he demonstrated the kingdom of God. He, he proclaimed the, the kingdom in his teaching, uh, in his preaching, and then he demonstrated it every time that he healed the sick, every time that he did a miracle, 
every time that he connected with someone who was outcast or ostracized. And this is why from our beginnings, the vineyard has been committed to these same practices, not only proclaiming the kingdom of God, that we certainly want to do that in our teaching and our preaching, but we also want to see it demonstrated as we bear witness to the deeds of the kingdom by praying for the sick, And as a result, we see some healed and we see some that are not. And while we also minister to the poor and seek to see justice carried out uh, in the name of Jesus, and as we pray for those who are held captive by the kingdom of this world, and we see some set free and, and some not, we live in the tension of the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And since the kingdom of God is the future reign of God breaking into the present in the life and ministry of Jesus and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we are a movement forward-leaning, emphasizing uh, the church's job to engage our world with the love of God, the good news of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that posture requires, it requires, it ultimately cannot happen apart from a total dependence and an ongoing partnership with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When Jesus was here on earth, he himself, he was here and he was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. He partnered with the Holy Spirit. Last week, Roger talked about Jesus' life as an adolescent when he went to the temple and his parents didn't know where he was. And when the parents found him, Uh, He asked them, hey, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Some translations say, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business, the ministry of Jesus? And then there's a wider stretch of time before Jesus actually begins his father's business, his ministry. Uh, But before he preached a message, before he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, before he demonstrated the power of the kingdom through a miracle or a healing, there was something very important uh, that happened. He had an encounter with the same Holy Spirit who is with us today and desires to work in my life and in your life today. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be in the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. Many are gathered at the Jordan River to be baptized by Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And I'll pick up in verse 13 if you want to read along with me. The passages will also be on the screens as well. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. Let's move on to chapter 4 in Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, some translations say tested by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. There is so much of the Holy Spirit's work in Jesus' life. There's so much that the Holy Spirit did in Jesus' life. If you read on in Matthew chapter 4, you're going to see as the Holy Spirit uh, empowers Jesus to preach and to teach the message of the kingdom, you're going to see how the Holy Spirit gave uh, Jesus insight on who to pick to be his disciples, giving him guidance and leadership on who to be part of his team. And you also see the Holy Spirit empowering Jesus uh, to do miracles, to heal the sick. The Holy Spirit is still doing that work today, Vineyard Church of Augusta. And he wants to do it in me and he wants to do it in you, in every one of us. Uh, Next week when you come, you're going to see the Christmas decorations down. You're going to see our banners that have our mission statement that says, love Jesus and do his ministry everywhere. And that is the ministry of Jesus. And we cannot even uh, begin to think that we will have any success in doing the ministry of Jesus apart from the same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus when he walked on this earth. The same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus wants to empower us. But today I I, want to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus that happened before Jesus gave his first sermon or before he gave his first teaching that's recorded in the Gospels. I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus that occurred uh, before Jesus did his very, very first miracle. What did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit enabled Jesus to hear his Father's voice. And thankfully for us, the Holy Spirit enables us to hear God's voice and experience his pleasure. That's the first thing I want to talk about this morning. I am someone who believes and has experienced God speaking to me, not in an audible voice. I have never heard an audible voice from God. I have friends and I know people who have. I never have, Um, but I have sensed God, and that's why I have here in quotation marks. I have sensed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I have, I, I have, I've had impressions. I've seen things. I've seen God speak to me through uh, visual things. Uh, I've never heard his audible voice. I believe that you can, and maybe one day I will. But uh, this, this idea that the Holy Spirit enabled Jesus to hear the voice of his Father, and he still is doing that for us today. Uh, Look back at Matthew 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water, and the moment uh, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven saying, This 
is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I I want you just to hear this morning, because I live in the same performance-based world that you live in. And so much of that has crept into our faith and the way we view God and the way that we feel that I've got to impress God with my, my lack of sin. I've got to impress God with my good works so that he will love me. And we've got to come to that place of understanding that God is love. God is love and God loves us not based on our behavior but solely on his character. God is love. I can go out of this building today and I could minister to every poor person in Augusta in the name of Jesus. Or I could go to every hospital in the southeast and, 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 and see all of them healed. And you know what? God would not love me any more than he does right here, right now. And it's not because I'm a pastor or because I'm standing on a stage. It's just because that's who God is. And he loves every single one of us, no matter what we've done or no matter what we're doing or what we're planning to do. God loves us. That is who he is. That is what he does. And so this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And as we look throughout all of the Gospels, we see that Jesus' ministry is not a ministry of striving. He is not out to uh, earn the love of his father. He is not out to impress the religious leaders uh, in Jerusalem. He is not about trying to make his 12 disciples happy. And we should take a lot of comfort in that. What was he doing? He was living in the reality of his father's love, of who he was. We don't have to strive for acceptance and approval from God the Father. What do we do? We grow from and we serve from that secure place of acceptance and approval from our Heavenly Father. And and we don't and we should not try to imitate Jesus in our own strength. That is so much of where our striving goes into play that, that we see the example and we see who Jesus was and we seek to be people who follow Jesus and do the things that he did and the way in which he did them to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is very much the character of Jesus Christ. But the problem that I have and the problem that you have often is that we seek to do that in our own strength, in our own you know, determination and our own self-will and it's frustrating and we fail miserably because true transformation is always a work of the Holy Spirit. And so it is about us getting very comfortable with God speaking these same words to you and to me. This is my daughter. This is my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. And as we are in Christ Jesus, that is what God speaks over all of us. That's what he speaks over all of us. And that is the invitation that he extends to every one of us. I want you to know my love no matter what you've done or what you've, you're doing or what you're planning to do. I want you to know my love and I want you to know my pleasure as a perfect Father, we are people of the kingdom who partner with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit uh, also guides us and helps us navigate uh, our best life. 
Uh, We see that here with Jesus. We see him coming out of the waters of baptism, hearing the words of affirmation and love from his father. And then we see Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil or tested by the devil. Uh, And I I want you to note this, that that Jesus was not sent by the Holy Spirit, but he was led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus in the wilderness. We've been through some wilderness stuff, haven't we? And I, I, I can say this pretty confidently. I have a strange suspicion that we'll go through some wilderness stuff in 2022. But you know what? The Holy Spirit will be with us. He will be with us. He is not sending us out alone. He is not sending us out alone to do the ministry of Jesus. He leads us. He guides us. He goes with us. And and that that is really, really comforting good news. And I hope you hear that this morning, that no matter what you or your family or our church or our community faces in 2022, the Holy Spirit will be with us. He is with us. He is Emmanuel. I need the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in every area of my life. And let me let you in on a little secret. So do you. We all need the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. And I love the fact that if, if something is important to me, it's important to God. And he, he wants to be involved in that. And he wants to, uh, us to know his heart about those things. Uh, I can look back on, on all my life and see God's leadership, uh, see how he's led me along good paths and, and brought me into good situations. I can also recognize the times that I have ignored the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I've gone down some paths that brought a lot of hurt and destruction, not only to my own life, but to the lives of others in my sphere of influence. And so I, I, I just, I want to talk and just remind you that um, God is with us. Whatever you are navigating in your life, whether it's what university to go to or what job to take or what relationship to give time and energy to or what to do financially or what to do about health concerns or what God would have you do in terms of a small group or or getting involved in ministry or whatever, whatever the question is. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. You know, I am so thankful for the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit for all of my life. But I got to tell you, uh, I, I don't know where I would be or where we would be without it, particularly the last two years. God has been real time in providing guidance and direction about some very, very critical things. And I know this, he is, he's not done with leading us and guiding us. So ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what, what, what is your good will? What is your heart Regarding whatever situation you're looking at in your life, I know some of you are considering retirement. Uh, And I so appreciate the fact that you're not just being presumptuous that, well, I put in my time, so therefore I'm going to retire. What is the Holy Spirit saying? And, and, And you're inviting other people to pray with you so that it's a situation like in the book of Acts where it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do so and so and to, to follow him and to follow his leadership. The Holy Spirit, he's loving, he is faithful. We can trust him 
even when he leads us into difficult situations. Recognize, again, this passage, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted and, and, and tested. And so uh, we, we see there, is, a, there is, is, is an important part of that. We can trust the work of the Holy Spirit. And remember James, uh, the words of James, the half-brother of Jesus in his letter. He says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We need this perseverance that comes from being tested. But we also need the Holy Spirit to help us navigate this testing and the trials. And he will do that just as he did it with Jesus. And just like Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit breathed word of God, alive and active in our hearts and in our minds and our spirits, because the Holy Spirit causes scripture to come alive in our hearts and our minds. And he helps us rightly apply the word of God to our lives. Uh, we, we see that so demonstrated so beautifully here. You know, at an early age, uh, as, as Roger taught last week, we see Jesus reading and studying scripture, the spirit-breathed word of God. Here in the wilderness testing, what do we see? We see the Holy Spirit guiding Jesus with the word of God as he deals with the temptations from Satan, which are very subtle, these are situations where Satan's not showing up and saying, hey, Jesus, you should go rob a bank. I mean, or you should, you know, go and, 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 and lie, or you should go and steal, or you should go and commit adultery. No, these are very, very subtle things that Satan's coming to Jesus with. He's like, hey, you know, you're, you're going to be you know, breaking bread, you're hungry right now, and you're going to be breaking bread and, you know, serving thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread. You know, you could, you could do this right now. And this is something that, you know, God the Father, he loves you. You're his son. He wouldn't want you going hungry. You could do this. This is, not, there's nothing wrong with this. Or, you know, you could go and you could be all powerful and, you know, you could bring the kingdom of God uh, just by doing this one thing, just by worshiping me. But Jesus, he reminds him, he, he, he brings up the word of God each and every time. And he reminds him that ultimately you don't, you don't test God. You don't, you don't try to put God in a box. And, and that's, uh, that, that never, ever works. And so it is so important for us to have the word of God dwelling in us richly. The beginning of a new year is a great time if you're not already uh, in a, a reading plan or some sort of way of regularly uh, taking in the Word of God, uh, reading it, listening to it, meditating on it, uh, we encourage you to do that. And then in the coming weeks, our, our pastoral staff, we're going to be releasing some short videos that just share how we take in Scripture, how we let the Word of God uh, dwell in us richly. It's important for you to find and to try maybe several different ways of taking in Scripture, reading it, listening to it, uh, letting, again, the Word of God dwell in you, in you richly. And, and I want to encourage you if, you, if you struggle in this area, I want to encourage you to, to begin every time you sit down and read, whether it's a couple of verses or it's a couple of chapters, just invite the Holy Spirit to, to join you there. Holy Spirit, come. Uh, come and awaken my mind and my heart and my spirit to your word that is already alive and active and powerful. 
And that is a prayer that I know the Holy Spirit will honor. He will meet you there and he will make his word come alive. Come, Holy Spirit, empower this time of, of Bible reading. Something I, I, I also just felt impressed to mention this morning, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus was tempted in every way just as you and I are. Let that sink in for a second. Because as I think about that and I think of some of the ways that, that I am tempted and have been tempted, it's like, Jesus, you were tempted in that way? Yeah, that's what Scripture tells us. Yet he endured, he did not succumb to the, the temptation. And, I, and, and I, I say this this morning to say that temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted, yet he was sinless. He did not sin. And the important thing is to recognize that temptation does not define us unless we allow it to. Unless we begin to find our identity in our area of brokenness. The enemy in the kingdom of this world tempts us maybe with a particular sin or a particular area of sins and then tells us, hey, that's who you are. That's what you are. That's who you are, whether you're a gossip, whether you're a liar, a cheat, a sexual deviant. That's who you are. But this is not who we are. This is not who we are. The God who created you and me, he gets the final word. And he says, you are loved I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. In you, I find pleasure. And this is who we are because of Jesus Christ, because of the gift of salvation that his life, his death, his resurrection avails us. The Holy Spirit enables us to know who we are because of whose we are. It's important to remember that. If you, if you look at Satan's temptations to Jesus in, in Matthew 4, several times he says, if you are the Son of God, wanting to bring up doubt as he loves to do, that's always been his modus operandi since the garden, throwing in doubt, did God really say this? If you really are the Son of God, if you are, then we need to understand that that, that we need to know who we are. We are people loved by our Heavenly Father. Uh, and, and in Him, He desires to do His good work in us, to empower us through the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some sort of ex spiritual accessory, like when we go and order a new car and, oh, I think I'm going to go with leather seats instead of uh, leatherette or whatever, you know. I'm going to go for the real deal. Now, this is not a, a, an add-on that we can just, you know, say, yeah, I, I think I want to go with that accessory. Yeah, I want to, I want to go with a six, an eight-cylinder instead of a six-cylinder. No, this is essential. The Holy Spirit is essential. He was essential for Jesus. In John chapter 5, Jesus gave uh, his followers this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And he was able to do that through the Holy Spirit who empowered him, who, who filled him on the day he was baptized, who, who led him, empowered him, and, and guided him. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does, 
Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. We need the Holy Spirit. When we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in each one of us. Uh, But we need more and more of the Holy Spirit. This is not a one and done relationship. We need ongoing infillings and refillings of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And as we sang this morning, there's there's nothing to be fearful of. Uh, in terms of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, He is our helper. He is our comforter. And He wants to come and He wants us, uh, He wants to help us navigate this world. And, and guys, I, I don't know if you are looking at 2022 with dread and with fear or excitement and potential. Wherever you are, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to to fill you and to, to, to lead you and guide you. And I want you to commit to partnering with the Holy Spirit as you navigate this year, whether it's in school or a new career or a new marriage or, or maybe being a parent for the first time, maybe dealing with a health issue or a financial situation. Wherever you find yourself, Invite the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and do his work of transformation. Because again, I can't, even on my best days and my best behavior and my my greatest degree of sinlessness, that is no real work of transformation apart from the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit empowering me so that I can thrive in this relationship, this relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This morning, um, I, I want to challenge you in, 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 in several areas. For those of you who, uh, you're performers, and I'm right there with you. Type 3, Enneagram, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, cease from striving in the name of Jesus. Cease from striving In the name of Jesus, be set free from the need to perform and to strive to get the success from God. I mean, get get approval uh, from from God. He, He loves you. He could not love you more than he already loves you. He is so for you. He is so for me. He is so for us. And one of the most amazing ways that he shows how much he's for us is giving us his spirit to walk with us, to, to, to dwell with us, to commune with us. To, uh, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're going through, some of you are going through some really hellacious things right now. The Spirit of God is with you. He is with you. Uh, and some, you say, he's not with me. I got myself in this mess. No, he, he's with you. He's with us. He is Emmanuel, and he's calling out to you with his love and his mercy and his healing and his forgiveness. And he calls us to accept him. He is calling us, church, to to desire more of his spirit, his manifest spirit filling us, that we cry out and that we hunger for the spirit of God and the word of God and the spirit of God and the word of God and the spirit of God. And that we are seeking to live our lives as the Holy Spirit shows us how to rightly apply the Word of God. This is not about just calling to remembrance 
verses and platitudes. This is about an integration of the Word of God coming alive in my life and in your life that the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit can do. Cease striving. Rest in the love and the pleasure of our perfect Heavenly Father. I also want to challenge you, particularly if you're leading a family, if you're in leadership in your business, if you're in leadership in your church, recognize the enemy's subtle tactic of distraction and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you focus, to focus. That's the scheme that that Satan was trying to do with Jesus. Again, you know, he wasn't saying, hey, I want you to cheat, I want you to lie, I want you to steal. No, these were very subtle things that he was saying about, you've come to do the work of the Father. Here are some ways that you could do this that would be easier and simpler, and you can go ahead and get the job done apart from God. And there are things that the enemy will come to you and to me in whatever areas of our lives to say, hey, you've got this goal. Here's a way of getting it accomplished. But it completely leaves out the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's not going to come to a good end. That is not the will of God for you or for me or for his church. That is not. So let us pray for spiritual focus that we would not be distracted no matter how the enemy comes at us. And then also, I want us as a church and as, as, as individuals, as families, to pray for a greater hunger for God's word. Again, not just that we would just have a, a bunch of verses that we would memorize. That's good. I love scripture memorization. But that we would be making those deposits to to be meditating on and dwelling on and asking the Holy Spirit to cause his word to be activated and to come alive and it would be rightly applied to our lives as we see happening here with Jesus. Because the enemy is at work. He's going to be endeavoring to tempt and to try and to test. The Holy Spirit is with us. Let us listen. Let us tune our hearts and our ears to hear the, the, the Father's voice through the Holy Spirit and his words are, I love you, and in you I delight, and I want you to know my love. I want you to experience my love. We're going to talk more about that next week. Let's stand together.